Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. 30 seconds and counting. There were plenty of years where there were guys who would dread being drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Not anymore. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. Brandon Bean realizes they're in a window of two to three years max to get this done while the iron's still hot. And getting Von Miller into that situation was big for the Bills. Ten, nine. Oh, baby. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Buffalo Fanatics, Seabot here with you. Monday night live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So glad you took the time out of your Monday evening to join me fresh off of the first full weekend of preseason football. Football is back, baby. Buffalo Bills football is back. And we got to witness the Buffalo Bills in action this past Saturday, extending their preseason win streak to nine games in an incredible comeback led by Bitcoin Barkley late in the fourth quarter. A 14-point deficit erased by the legend Bitcoin Barkley. Bills take it 27 to 24 in their first preseason matchup of the year against the Indianapolis Colts out in Buffalo. If you were at the game, hope you enjoyed it. Definitely seemed like there was a really good crowd there. What else is new? You pack in 36,000 for a scrimmage. I would imagine that the crowd was going to show up for the uh, first preseason game of the year. Can't imagine they don't show up again this coming weekend as the Bills take on the Denver Broncos for their second preseason game. uh, One o'clock this coming weekend, Saturday again, I believe. So Bills football is back, baby. And it was so great to finally be able to watch some of these guys that have been on the fence, rookie guys that we've been excited to see in full action. We finally got to get a dose, right? All we've wanted the last month or so is just a dose. Just give us a taste. And I went to training camp a couple weeks ago. That really got the juices going. And then finally, the first preseason game is here. Of course, that means not only is the regular season right around the corner, but of course, it really does give you an opportunity to start to understand how this roster is going to form, who is going to make the team, who can, who can we expect to make plays for this Bills team that we otherwise wouldn't have expected them to 
going into the season. And we got to understand a lot of that this past weekend as the Bills took on the Colts. Shout out everybody in here right now as we get underway, just south of 100. Make sure to hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Turn that bell on for the notifications because, of course, content is going to be coming at you rapidly as the season approaches. And we look forward to sharing all of it with you right here at the Buffalo Fanatics Network. Speaking of which, I know Pierre was at the game. He didn't. Uh, he's not able to join tonight. He's busy. But Pierre made it all the way out to Buffalo, and I know he had a great time watching the Bills in action. I didn't get to make it to the game, but I did do my due diligence, of course, to watch the whole thing, every single snap. And I subscribed to NFL Plus. That's the new NFL streaming network. I mean, for God's sake, I should start. I should start a streaming network at this point. Who doesn't have one? Another $9.99 a month? Hey, why not take it? The nice thing is, though, you can rewatch any game. So sat down this afternoon, rewatched the Bills preseason game in its entirety, and we're going to break that whole thing down for you right here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel tonight. So let's get started right where the Bills got started on Saturday afternoon, uh, and that was their first offensive drive of the day. Now, when I looked at this game you know, as I watched it back, I took into account the beginning of the game. Uh, I, I weighted it heavier than I did the rest of the game, obviously, because when you looked at what the Bills were squaring off against on both offense and defense, it was relatively the Colts starting unit. I mean, yes, Jonathan Taylor wasn't in on offense. Few players on defense for the Colts weren't in the starting role, but the majority of the Colts offense and the Colts defense respectively had their starting unit in there. So that gives you a better feel as to how guys that we haven't seen much of yet are going to operate in a position during a regular season game, obviously facing off against starters. And I, I thought in this game in particular, especially on the defensive side of things, you get a much better opportunity on defense to face off against some pretty decent football. I mean, you're going against Matt Ryan, a former MVP, and you're going against Nick Foles taking the second reps, a Super Bowl MVP. You know, not every team has that lineup of quarterbacks to be able to face off against in the preseason. So I thought that was a good opportunity for the Bills defense going into this one. But let's start on the offense. That's where the Bills started the day. They took the first drive of the day. And right off the bat, Khalil Shakir, he makes his presence fell. And of course, if you haven't been living under a rock the last 48 hours, you have been hearing the name Khalil Shakir out of the game Saturday afternoon, one of the big standouts for the Buffalo Bills, not only in this preseason game, but of course, throughout training camp, right off the bat in this game, he takes the first throw of the game, 25 yards for a first down play action pass from Case Keenum. And he didn't stop there. He really put together a great day for the opportunities allotted to him. He only had five targets, turned that into five catches, 92 yards on the day for, for Khalil Shakir to lead all receivers for the Bills. And you look at this roster right now, and I know we've had debates on here. I think the question's been brought up numerous times. Is the Bills wide receiver room going to have enough depth moving forward over the next couple of years to be able to sustain the success that they've had on offense? And I guess it was in question, right? You look at Stephon Diggs, he'll get up there in age, right? You lose Cole Beasley, you bring in veteran guys like Jamison Crowder, OJ Howard, and maybe you do think to yourself, well, where is the where is the – 
you know, how do we view this Bills offensive wide receiver unit as we continue to move forward year after year? Now, I don't want to look too far into the future. We got a big, big, big season coming up here right now. But these young guys are who you will look to as that future continues to come closer and closer to potentially fill roles. And as of right now, you look at Khalil Shakir. You look what he put out on the field Saturday. You look what he has been doing continuously throughout training camp this summer. There's no way the Bills can keep him off the field this coming year. There is no way Khalil Shakir does not find himself in a prominent role in this wide receiver locker room this coming season. He's just too good. I mean, you look at Gabe Davis. He comes in his rookie year. No one was expecting him to pop off. Now he's the solidified Bills wide receiver, too. Puts together one of the greatest playoff performances a receiver has ever showcased. And now we all of a sudden just think of Gabe Davis as the guy. Right. We didn't really give it much time. We didn't think much of it. It just happened. Now, Khalil Shakir has plenty of time to prove that he can be the guy. But when you take Khalil Shakir as late as you do in the draft, you don't go after a guy like him in pursuit of him potentially becoming Stefan Diggs or your wide receiver one. But the way that the draft is carried out recently in these last several years in the NFL, these wide receivers there is just an abundance from the first round all the way down to the last pick wide receivers have become just an embarrassment of riches throughout the NFL coming out of college. And the first thing we heard about Khalil Shakir, when he was drafted by the bills, what was the first thing everybody said? Sneaky, good pick by the bills. I really love this pick. I think, you know, the bills had an opportunity earlier on to go wide receiver. They chose to go with Khalil Shakir when they did, I didn't hear a single negative thing. I didn't hear a single negative thing. And all throughout this offseason, all throughout this training camp, the last month or so, we have heard his name time and time again, even from Josh Allen, of course, who he has been impressed with. And Khalil Shakir, in an opportunity this past weekend, delivers in the first snap of the game. So I look at the Bills wide receiver locker room right now, and you really do have to ask yourself, do the Bills... Do the Bills keep seven wide receivers? I think the answer is yes. You look at what the, the state of the Bills wide receiver locker room is right now. How is the answer now? I mean, let's just, let's, just, let's just kind of break it down here, right? At the top, you got Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. I think he's the lock for the slot position. Khalil Shakir, I mean, stop me right now if you think he's not going to be threatening the four position or the, the five position at the wide receiver spot. Is he not going to be wide receiver four or five for the Bills minimum going into the season? And then you have Jamison Crowder. He had one target this past weekend off of his hands. That was the first interception for Case Keenum. We'll get into his performance throughout the show. But you're not going to get rid of Jamison Crowder. You bring him in for the, vet the veteran presence. He didn't get much action in the game. I can't imagine. I saw something earlier. Will the Bills cut Jamison Crowder because of the performances by Khalil Shakir and... Jay Kumaro and Isaiah Hodgins. The list goes on and on. The answer is no. Jamison Crowder will remain on this roster until proven otherwise. He hasn't been given an opportunity to prove one way or the other, but we know he is an established veteran in this league. He is staying on the Bills roster until we're proven otherwise. So, right there, right? You got Diggs, you got Isaiah McKenzie, you got Gabe Davis, you got Jamison Crowder, Khalil Shakir. And then you look at this game itself. And now you got to start figuring out, well, sh I mean, God, do we have to keep seven? Let's talk about what we saw from Isaiah Hodgins. 
Now, like I said in the beginning of the show, I value the beginning of the game much more than I did the end. And Isaiah Hodgins really came out and showcased his talents towards the end of this game, right? But even so, it's still NFL ball. It's still an opportunity that you're given to showcase your talent. And, you know, not everybody can say that they had a day like Isaiah Hodgins did in the opportunity that he was given. He single-handedly helped Matt Barkley win that game towards the end. He caught nearly every ball on that final drive to put him in position. And it was no secret as to why he led the team in receptions on Saturday. Nine catches, 77 yards for Isaiah Hodgins. The problem with Isaiah Hodgins, however, in comparison to a guy like Jake Kumaro, is that Kumaro is a special teams guy, whereas Isaiah Hodgins isn't. And unfortunately, when you go lower down into the depth chart, you are going to have to be able to, to bring more to the table than just the ability to play one position. Isaiah Hodgins is a different type of wide receiver than I think that is on this roster. His separation isn't great, but he catches everything that goes his way. I mean, he really does. And that was no, that was no exception on Saturday. I mean, he caught every single ball that went his way. And I thought he looked terrific. So you go into the offseason here, right? You go into the offseason, you look at the positions the Bills had to address. You look at the positions that you thought the Bills could take an even further step towards, you know, greatness, if you will, right? And the wide receiver position was definitely one of those. You lose Cole Beasley, who's going to fill the role? Isaiah McKenzie, done. You draft, you know, were the Bills going to go early in the draft with a wide receiver? They don't, but they wind up going Isaiah Hodgins, boom. Or not, excuse me, not Isaiah Hodgins, Khalil Shakir, boom. I mean, I just look at him this past weekend. I mean, that is a talent. That is the guy's first opportunity out on the field, and he's making plays left and right in a very limited role. Five targets, caught every single one for just south of 100 yards. And if you think about it, a guy like Isaiah McKenzie was barely given any opportunity throughout last season to be an impact on the game when he was given the impact he delivered. Now, all of a sudden, you look at his role on the team this year, I guarantee you it's going to be a much broader role. But what I'm getting at is when you do get the opportunities and you cash in on them, it matters. And I think when you look at the performance Khalil Shakir delivered this past weekend, he's showing you, look, if I can do this with Case Keenum in backups on this team against a starting defense in Indianapolis, that is no joke. What am I going to do when I'm paired with... Davis, Diggs, McKenzie, and I got Josh Allen throwing me the ball. I was beyond, beyond stoked to see Khalil Shakir perform the way he did because you do see these names pop up from training camp, right? You do see, you read the headlines, you, you see it in person. I saw Khalil Shakir snag, snag a gorgeous touchdown, 45-yarder from Josh Allen in training camp. You see these things, you get excited. But things do change when you get in that game setting right off the bat. He delivered another guy. I thought right off the, right off the bat in the first quarter that looked tremendous and also a limited opportunity, right? Because you, when you look at these preseason games, you really only do get a limited amount of opportunity outside of the defense, which we'll touch on sooner, but the running back situation, I mean, it was essentially three to five carries a person show us what you got. Right. And the person who cashed in the most wound up doing so in a position where he had the toughest he had the toughest uh, roadblock ahead of him the starting 
Colts defense. Zach Moss looked great that first drive. Three carries, 37 yards. And I told you, when I was in camp a couple of weeks ago and I saw Zach Moss play, I thought he looked great. He's been taking a lot of reps with the first team. And when I saw him in training camp, I thought compared to what I had seen out of him before, he looked quicker. He was hitting the holes exactly how you wanted him to. He looked like he had a great burst physicality up there, vision great. It's exactly what I saw on this first drive. I mean, let's break down that first real big play of the day outside, uh, or excuse me, the first real big play of the day on the ground. The first real big play, of course, was that Khalil Shakir grab. But shortly after that, it's Zach Moss breaking one for a huge chunk play. And you look at that, and everything that you want out of a running back, he sort of delivered on that rush. He hits the line, right? Nothing there. He immediately bounces out, finds the open hole, right? So vision off the charts on that play, hits that second hole with an incredible burst down the field, major chunk play, gets the Bills into the red zone. You got Mr. Wesley coming in here saying, I've been trying to tell you how this is going to be Zach's breakout season. A ton of people have been saying that. I, for one, looked at the roster and I'm like, well, you know, Devin Singletary really came on at the end of the year last year. You draft James Cook. I didn't, I didn't really know what to make of the whole Zach Moss situation, truth be told. But what I have seen over the last month, on top of the three carries that he delivered on Saturday, what's not to like? I mean, what is not to like? Three carries, 37 yards. And the two carries that weren't that gigantic chunk play I was just referring to were five yards a pop. Every time he touched the ball, he hit the line with an incredible res- I mean, just the burst was there. You could feel it. He hit the line great, starting Colts defense, remind you. I mean, that's the whole thing I take away from it. He tripled anybody else's yards on the ground the entire day with less carries. Blackshear had six. Duke Johnson had six. James Cook had three. Zach Moss had three carries, made the most of them. The first two thought he hit the hole great, five yards a pop. Then he busts one for about 27 yards. Thought he looked terrific. So right out of the gate in the first quarter, despite the fact that they get all the way down the field and don't score, there were plenty of things that I liked. The big takeaway, though, from that first drive was obviously Khalil Shakir and Zach Moss. The first, what was it? The first, I got it right. I got it written down here. The first six plays went to those two guys. The first six plays of the game went to those two guys. And they're on the what? 10 yard line. And great point coming in here from, from, uh, from Clinton. Nick. Yeah. That's against the backup line too. Right. You got the backup line squaring off against the majority of the starting Colts defense. And you got Zach Moss, who many would think right now would be the third, fourth running back on the team. And you got Khalil Shakir, a, a rookie wide receiver, and they're, they're getting you all the way down to the, to the red zone. You, you absolutely love to see it. Just extraordinary, what I thought to be an extraordinary opening drive. You know, minding the circumstances, understanding that it's preseason. What more could you have wanted to see? Zach Moss, definitely a guy that people have questions about. He delivers on the first drive. Khalil Shakir, you're wondering, man, the Bills get a lot of value here at the wide receiver position to team up with an already loaded group. Well, based on what you saw that first possession, absolutely. So great stuff out of that first opening drive. Same can be said for the defense. Let's move on to that. So the Bills do not score on their opening drive. They go for it on that fourth down. What I did like about 
the ending of that drive before we move on to the defense, there was two things that I did like about it. One, Sean McDermott, I, I don't care if it's preseason. We just know that he has now become the guy that's going to go for it on fourth down. That's how I feel, at least. I think being a defensive coach, I do love, I, I, I do love out of Sean McDermott, the ability to trust him in a situation where it could be a, either a field goal play or a fourth down play. Nine times out of 10, he's going to go for it on fourth down. So we see that again in that situation. I don't think things change there with Sean McDermott too. I did like the plays that were drawn up in the red zone to try and get it into, uh, into the end zone. Now they, they weren't executed, but they were two throws to the back of the end zone to tight ends. I think Josh Allen gets that done. This team has done a great job of finding who fills what role and then, and then is able to execute that role better than anybody else, right? Like every guy on this offense has their own individual role. Like you're not going to, you're not going to expect a guy like Isaiah McKenzie to give you nonstop deep routes. Like, like um, Stefan Diggs could, right? You're not going to expect Devin Singletary to catch the ball out of the backfield, perhaps the way they're going to use James Cook, right? Everybody's got something they bring to the table. What I saw emerge out of last season, and this is why I think Dawson Knox wound up leading the league in touchdowns, is the ability to catch the ball in the end zone in close territory. That's where you want to utilize your tight ends the most. And I did like how they tried to force that effort. It just didn't work out with Keenum. So the Bills, they leave points on the board there and they wind up moving on over to defense. And this is where we get to see our first, uh, the, the first opportunity that we get to see the bills first round draft pick guy Ariel. And folks, I mean, you'll look at the cornerback situation right now and it's definitely a head scratcher. You keep trying to ask yourself, okay, what's going to happen with Tredavious? White? you got thigh doctor coming on here talking to me about how there's potential for him to, come back after the bye, depending on how they want to work things. But at the same time, you hear whispers that he could be back as early as week one. You truly don't know what's going on with Tredavious White. But in the meantime, you have got to be ready for anything. And as of right now, I would anticipate not having Tredavious White week one. And you draft Kyir Elam to be a starting cornerback. The Bills don't have anybody else that they really rely on, right? That's why they had to go that position in round one. And against Matt Ryan in the starting offense for the Indianapolis Colts, they force a three and out on the first drive by the hands of Kyir Elam on third down, the best play of the day, perhaps, from him. I thought he had two extraordinary plays, but that play in particular. Kyir Elam on that third down, he's against uh, the Colts wide receiver, Pierce 14, right in front of the first down marker. He's all over it. He's all over it. Then he goes on to field the punt. That's what I like to see out of, or excuse me, that was Khalil Shakir who went on to field the punt. But what I like to see out of uh, Kair Elam, by the way, I think I'm going to be doing this all season where I write down Khalil and Kair, and I'm just like looking at it quick. That's going to happen to me a lot. So apologies right off the bat. But um, no, Kair Elam, great play on that third down. And I thought that throughout the game, he showed you the ability to cover not only like, it just felt like he had a presence on that was like magnetic. When he was in different positions, he was on his guy like glue. And I thought of three different examples where they were all different, but he still executed that style of play in each, in each opportunity, that particular third down in the opening drive for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, he was all over and that was kind of an out pattern. It was almost like a curl route slash out 
for Pierce on that particular play. He was all over it, right? Broke it up himself, three and out. When Nick Foles came in the game later on, he throws a deep ball, a nice arcing deep ball, probably 25 yards down the right sideline. Kair Elam all over it. I mean, he was ghosting that wide receiver completely all over it. And then on that same drive, Kair Elam again was able to force another uh, missed third down opportunity. This defense did great in that department. I think the Colts only converted about 22% of their third down opportunities in that game. But Kair Elam showed me that he can defend the short game, the crossing pattern, and the deep ball with the ability to stay on his guy step for step. So you look at him, right? You look at Kair Elam, and what I took away from this game is if Tredavious White is not able to make it back game one, I feel way better after watching him Saturday starting in that role against the Rams than I did probably two weeks ago. Because this was the first opportunity that you got to see him against a guy like Matt Ryan in a starting offense in a game setting, and I thought he delivered. Now, of course, he did have his blunders. Every rookie does. He had his pass interference there. Uh, he, he ran into that. He ran into Benford on that pick play and basically knocked himself out. Thank God he was okay. But that's what these games are for, right? You try to get your legs underneath of you. Sean McDermott, I thought, did a great job in this particular game, allowing the corners to have their day to shine, right? There's a reason that the whole first half you saw all of the young guns at the cornerback position play the entirety of the first half because Sean McDermott wanted the chance to see what they could prove over an extended amount of play. So you saw Cam Lewis play a very decent amount of, uh, I think he played almost the entire first half as well. You saw Benford play the entire first half. You saw Kyir Elam play the entire first half. And I see it coming in here right now. Somebody who wrote this down here. Somebody bringing up good morning football. Uh, yeah, Kyir Elam this morning. Yes, right here. Was, oh, it's uh, it, Mr. Uh, West Ashley saying Kyle Brandt show. If by Kyle Brandt show you mean good morning football, then I did see that Kyir Elam and Christian Benford were the two standout rookies in that particular segment, and for good reason. Now, Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford, I mean, that's two completely different stories. The fact that you're clumping them together as far as having a great performance is extraordinary, right? Kyrie Elam drafted round one to be a solidified starter to shadow Tredavious White and potentially be the cornerback one in the beginning of the season. Christian Benford, that's a six-round pick. And you started hearing his name as training camp continued to go on. And he was all over the field as well. So you have a first-rounder and a six-rounder ultimately coming together to put together a terrific day at the corner position and earning rights like being on Good Morning Football, being classified as the two top rookies of the weekend. It's awesome. But I, what I love about what I loved about this particular game, when looking at guys like Shakir, when looking at uh, Elam, Benford, all of these names were coming out of training camp. We kept hearing the rumblings about how well these guys were performing. And Sean McDermott said himself, you know, it's a lot different when you get into a game setting, whether preseason or not. I mean, guys like Elam, Benford, Shakir, they're not treating that game like a preseason game whatsoever. I mean, it might not matter to us. The game doesn't count for anything. 
all you care about is the guys get out of there healthy three weeks go by and the, and the regular season starts. That's all we care about. But to guys like that, these games mean everything. I mean, it means everything. This is your solidified chance to prove to the Bills staff that you deserve a spot on this team and not only a spot, but a spot in which you are contributing a role on the, on the roster. And these guys that we continue to hear their names come out of camp, they delivered. And it's just, it's, it's guys like Christian Benford, right? That just blow your mind. Because it's a six-round guy that nobody expects to have anything happen. He's out there with Khalil Shakir, and he looks great. Let's go down to the uh, chat here. Let's see what you guys are talking about as we continue to move forward through the show. Bray coming in here saying, do y'all think it's safe to say it's going to be between Christian and Elam for the number two? So you have to wonder there. I'm, I'm wondering when you look at the cornerback depth, what it's going to wind up being. I mean, still right now, you look at the Bills roster and where they stand with cornerback pending Tredavious White coming back, and you don't necessarily know what the rotation is going to be. But I would have to say to that question that that's probably not the, you know, that's probably not the answer. It's probably not going to come down between these two. I mean, they do have a pretty, they, they have a pretty decent battle going on right now at corner. You, you, you look at what they did this past weekend, and I thought it was really interesting that Dane Jackson didn't play at all. Because to me, that, that you can interpret that two different ways. Dane Jackson didn't touch the field. So that tells me either it is coming down to two other guys over Dane Jackson, or he's earned his spot and he didn't need to play. Coach Sean McDermott wants to see what the other two guys got and how they can contribute to the roster within that cornerback depth. So that to me was interesting. And you obviously saw the first half was predicated on the ability for this staff to see guys like Kyir Elam and Benford perform for an entire 30 minutes of, of defensive football. But I got to imagine that if Dane Jackson's not taking any snaps, well, who else didn't take snaps? The starters. So you got to think Dane Jackson's locked up. But it all comes down to who is going to be able to fill the shoes of Tredavious White until he comes back. But what I saw over the past weekend, you really got to think that Kyir Elam is going to be able to do so for a few weeks. And the guys just got heart, man. I mean, he was pissed off that he didn't even, he didn't intercept the ball. Uh, he didn't intercept the ball on, on, a, on a crossing pattern, even though he was right there. I mean, you know this, right? When the Bills took him, he had the... He had the playbook with him on the, on the ride home. I mean, the guy's bought in. He's a hell of a grinder. And I really enjoyed what I saw out of him over the weekend. The cool thing about this game was that you have, you have the Colts who are trying to work out kinks with guys who have already been in the league. You got Matt Ryan coming in to take over the, take over the franchise, and you're just playing him because he's got to get used to a whole new team, a whole new roster. The cool thing about Buffalo is you just get to sit back and watch all these young guys and kind of debate as to who's going to fit in where. So you got a guy like Benford who you would imagine, I mean, sometimes a six-round player, you're lucky if they even – I mean, you, you're lucky they ever even come close to threatening to come on the field, right? The fact that we're even talking about Christian Benford and the ability to make his way onto the field this year at the corner position out of the sixth round as a rookie, I mean, that's just extraordinary. So these are, the, these are debates that are fun to have. Now, ultimately, I, I could not tell you what it's going to come down to. 
because it all really depends on the status of Tredavious White and when he comes back and how they end up handling that situation. I still think right now going into the season, the cornerback position is the most interesting spot as far as rosters are, is the roster is concerned. I think right behind that would be running back. But what I do like is those two positional groups have been impressive. They have been impressive throughout the training camp period. And I thought they were impressive over this past, uh, this past weekend. So as the game continued, let's get into other guys that I thought really stood out. And the cool thing, like I just said, it's all really young guys, of course. And you think to yourself, man, the potential here, if you could find a way to channel what some of these guys brought to the table and work it in to the regular season in different spots. I mean, it's just, it really gets you going. So one guy that I thought, you know, really had himself a hell of a hell of a day. And I think that we can get used to seeing different guys on the line do this throughout the year because it's really starting to come to the forefront during this training camp period. We have seen a lot of names on the defensive side of things really rear their head into the spotlight because of their ability to get pressure on the ball, their presence overall on the line. And also ultimately, I think it's I think a lot of it has to do with Von Miller coming into this team. But one guy that had the play of the day, and I think is going to be in a spot this season to really, really prove himself after a shaky rookie season, that's Boogie Basham. Boogie Basham has the play of the day this past weekend. And the crazy thing about a, about a play like that is that, yes, it was the play of the day, but when you go around the defense, I think that you could you could find a play from every young guy out on that field, any prominent young name, at least, that you've been hearing throughout camp. You could find a, an example of a great play that they made during the day. But Biggie ba- Boogie Basham had a hell of a day in general. And this the play where he forced the fumble into the hands of Terrell Bernard for a 69-yard touchdown, the first touchdown of the season for the Bills, was fantastic. I personally thought overall throughout the day, the pressure sort of dwindled away as the game went on. That was expected. But I thought, especially in the period in which Nick Foles was in the game, the Bills were getting extraordinary pressure. And on top of that, their run defense for the majority of this game I thought was terrific. There were guys making plays at the line of scrimmage nonstop. But what really impressed me is kind of similar to what Boogie Basham did. It was the edge presence. And it wasn't just guys that were playing on the line either. But of course, Boogie Basham wound up having the play of the day on the outside there. But you also had guys flying in from the side, making plays all day. There were so many different plays that I thought you could pinpoint from all different from all different angles on this defense, mostly guys that you are wondering where they'll fit in onto this roster that were extraordinary. Boogie Basham, though, in particular, I just want to focus on that play because that, to me, is what winds up bringing the Bills over the top. It's just a matter of who's going to be doing it. And what I like about this team is you look at the D-line right now, and I think that you could really close your eyes, put your hand in a a hat, and pull out a name as to who you think could wind up having a gigantic gigantic impact on the D-line. 
AJ Ebenezer, right? Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau. Obviously, you got Von Miller coming in right now, Ed Oliver. I mean, there are so many different guys right now, all young, and it's just looking stacked. I mean, there is some absolute monsters on that D-line, almost to the point where you forget about a guy like Boogie Basham, right? Until he's crushing the back of Nick Foles, and you have uh, Terrell Bernard taking it to the house for a touchdown. So that was a fantastic play. And Nick Foles, Mike, he had a rough outing. He had a rough, rough outing. God bless him. Bills D was all over him. Uh, Jaquan Johnson, that was about as easy of an interception as you could have possibly have had. Uh, Nick Foles had no idea where he was going with that ball. Way over the head of his intended target. Jaquan Johnson, great interception. Even better return. Stiff arming a guy on his way back. Um, So that was awesome. I looked at it. I looked at that particular sequence as probably the highlight of the day for the Bills defense. I thought during the portion in which Nick Foles was in, it seemed like every guy had a great play. Kair Elam had that great play along the side. You had Bernard taking that fumble back, Boogie Basham forcing the fumble. You had Jaquan Johnson with that interception. There were just guys during that period that I thought really stood out and ultimately wound up making an impact during Nick Foles' opportunity within that game. So uh, prayers up for Nick Foles. That was a rough outing for him. Scrolling through here, was just, I mean, there's just guys that, there's just guys that popped up here that you would be, you'd be like, oh, like you would not expect him to have a great play. Like was it Prince, is it Amelie that you, you, you uh, pronounce it as Amelie? Yeah, Prince Amelie, great tip ball on the line. These are guys that I just looked through and I was, you know, you're, you're kind of questioning yourself as you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, right? Like Mike Love. Great sack, great sack as the game went on. Just different names that popped up that were impressive. Now, one guy I'm seeing being brought up down here that we have to focus on is, uh, is Spectre. First of all, I absolutely love the name Spectre. It just, it just it sounds like you're, uh, maybe I'm just thinking of Inspector, right? But a guy with the last name like Spectre, it just seems lethal. And Balen Spector looked, he, he definitely looked lethal out on the field at times throughout the game. I thought he was getting great pressure as the game went on. He was in on a sack. He was in on a sack and during the game that was like, he, he wasn't necessarily doing it solo, right? But at that particular moment in time, there were a bunch of guys who were getting cumulative pressure on the quarterback. And Spector seemed to be all over the field. And he was in on a sack. I thought he had great pressure throughout the day. He had that awesome tip ball, if you remember. So you had Spectre lining up on like the left side. And he comes in untouched off the edge. Beautiful tip ball right out of the air. He played terrific. There's a lot of guys you look at right now and you're just like, man, it gets you excited. You just have to wonder what, what, where everybody winds up fitting in. And we've yet to see what the ultimate result of the starting offensive line and the starting defensive line is going to look like. I mean, really, we haven't been able to see the whole unit in its entirety throughout the offseason on either side. But when you do get glimpses of individual guys, you do start to wonder, okay, well, where are they going to fit in? And how are, is Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, uh, and Ken Dorsey going to be able to fit these guys into game situations because there's so many different players right now that you that you see emerge that you definitely 
can tell there's going to be potential for them to make an impact on this team at some point throughout the season. We're going to continue to dive into the Bills Colts preseason game right after this quick message from our friends over at Dynasty Owner. I've been talking about them all throughout the offseason. They are running one of the coolest dynasty-oriented fantasy platforms in all of fantasy football right now. Make sure to go check them out over on the App Store and Google Play. Quick word from Dynasty Owner. You never experienced fantasy football quite like this. Unlike the other fantasy football platforms, Dynasty Owner uses real NFL salaries and salary cap, bench scoring, clutch scoring systems, and a variety of other options to make Dynasty Owner unlike any other fantasy football experience you've ever had. Do you have what it takes to be the best Dynasty owner in the league? Download the Dynasty owner app on the App Store or Google Play today to find out. So let's talk about a couple of things that I think emerged out of camp that people were kind of getting riled up about, having debates about that I think aren't gigantic debates. The first one, of course, being Matt Barkley needs to be replaced as the, or Matt Barkley needs to replace Case Keenum as the backup quarterback, the number two quarterback on this team. Well, that's not, that's not, that's not happening. I mean, Case Keenum, it wasn't like they just found him on the side of the street. They had to trade for him for, uh, from Cleveland. He's also in a position out there where you are playing against the starting team in the Indianapolis Colts, and you don't have a single starter at your disposal on offense. Case Keenum played terrible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not excusing it. But the first interception, that was tipped right off of Jamison Crowder's hands. He should have had it. The sack, uh, Van Rotten got absolutely blown up off the edge when Case Keenum had his sack fumble. If you go back and watch the play, Van Rotten got absolutely destroyed off the line. Never saw the guy coming, and he was this close to getting the ball out. The one throw that was you know just beyond egregious was right after the Bills had intercepted the Colts. The Bills take over in the red zone and it was just a God awful throw by case Keenum. But a lot of people are like, well, Matt Barkley looks so great. And I think he should be in the second role over case Keenum. I just don't see that happening. Matt Barkley is on this team for one specific role. And that is just to kind of be a mentor for Josh Allen, be there for Josh Allen. I just don't see any circumstance this season where Matt Barkley takes the field unless God forbid I mean, we're talking about an all-time worst-case scenario here where both guys go down. I just, I do not see, I do not see at any point this season Matt Barkley having to come in. Now, granted, Matt Barkley had himself a day. He looked great, led the comeback, and he definitely gave Isaiah Hodgins the ability to uh, showcase his stuff. But I think Matt Barkley went out there and just kind of played like, screw it, ball. Why not? I mean, he knows his role on this team. He's pretty much destined to be on the practice squad. So you're also taking into consideration that when Matt Barkley was in uh, during the game, he's playing against almost strictly third stringers. And he's also been in the Bills offense before, whereas Case Keenum has not. So I just don't see, I I mean, you can't, and that goes for everything here. Yeah, that goes for everything. I mean, we can't take a lot of this into consideration based on the fact that there is so much that changes from the uh, from the preseason into the regular season, right? Like, for instance, the Bills look terrible in regard to penalties, sloppier than hell. I mean, it was almost like every single special teams play, 
there was a flag on the field. The Bills totaled 11 penalties in this game for over 90 yards. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be dragged into the regular season. Case Keenum and Matt Barkley, I mean, we can argue about it all we want. The reality of the situation is we really do not need to talk about that until it's necessary. And, and if at that point it becomes necessary, the, the, the season's already shot to begin with. I mean, we can sit here and argue who's better, Case Keenum or Matt Barkley. But if either one of them have to go onto the field, you can just kiss the year goodbye anyways. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. Sure, go ahead and, and, and sit around with your buddies using Saturday as a as the litmus test saying, okay, well, Matt Barkley's better. I hope, I hope he goes in if we need it. Well, I hate to break it to you, but if either one of those guys have to talk, touch, touch the field, um, you can pretty much put a, put a bow and a ribbon on this season because that would, that would be the, that would, it would be, it would be over. I mean, it would just be God awful. So let's just, let's just put that to bed by saying one, no, Matt Barkley's not replacing Case Keenan, but two, if you want to have that argument, don't because you are just pontificating on a, on a possibility of Josh Allen going down, which will inevitably ruin the entire year anyways. So don't even, don't even talk about it. It's not worth talking about. Um, another topic of conversation that came out of the, out of the, uh, the weekend was who is going to wind up starting at the punting position. We saw that Matt Hawk got the first punt of the day, but nobody cared about that. That might've been the most forgettable punt of all time because it was a 39 yard punt and nobody cared to see Matt Hawk punting the ball on Saturday. Nobody cared. They're in the stands for the punt. God, my guy, Matt Areza. The legend. I mean, have you heard a crowd get louder and more amped up for a punter? I mean, that's how we were when we drafted him, carried right into the stadium. So, you know, he takes, I mean, you know, it's just insane when the punt, your first punt ever in a preseason game winds up going viral to the point where like people are laughing at the fact that you were able to kick the ball that, that hard. 82-yard bomb from the Bills, basically their own end zone. He boots it into the other end zone. And what you really need to focus on when it comes to the punt god is his ability to hold. There were no issues all day. You even were able to simulate a game-winning situation, which, by the way, Tyler Bass is money as he's ever been. God, I love Tyler Bass. Just absolutely love him. But the big, the big thing here is it's not necessarily how great you are at punting. That, that matters, of course, but it really comes down to your ability to hold. That's going to separate yourself um, when it comes to getting on the field as a punter. And he had no issues with that over the weekend. And we know all about that, right? We know that that has been a problem. It certainly was when Bajorquez was with, was with the Bills. We all know that that was the big Achilles heel for Bajorquez. But, I mean, you, you go viral, your first NFL punt, 82 yards. Do you know how insane that is? And that's like what Johnny Blaze is saying here. Yeah, there was no win. I mean, that was just raw leg, 82 freaking yards. Now, granted, I, I, I do want to see a situation where he's got to pin the other team. I mean, that was a perfect opportunity for him to kick it as far as he could because they're backed up in, the, in their own end zone, right? It's a perfect opportunity to showcase why he is indeed called the pun God. But 
you know, there are going to be circumstances that you're not going to have to punt it as hard and far as you possibly can. You're going to be able to have to have pinpoint accuracy with your legs. So it'll be interesting to see how that winds up showcasing itself from Matarazes game or Matarazes game. But you really, you really can't find a way to uh, try and think about anything else other than what he did in that game. And that was an 82 yard bomb, which was just extraordinary. And that just goes down to the point I was making earlier about all these young guys that you hear about, you know, doing well in this offseason. They really, every one of them really did have a play. I mean, every real, every one of them really had at least one moment where they seemed to, st- to stand out. And that includes the punt guy. So it just gets you, it just gets you really juiced up. And not for nothing. I mean, even, even towards the end of the game, I mean, you know how we are. I mean, I was on here with Rev. We were playing a Madden simulation, and I was getting into that game like it was the Super Bowl. The cool thing about this game was as the game went on, it, it was definitely watchable. It, be, it got entertaining as the game went on. I mean, it was, it was exciting. And I think that that, you know, it, it showcases a lot of heart, right? I mean, I was listening to the, uh, the radio broadcast, and that's what Eric Wood was saying, right? that this team showcases a lot of heart. They never give up towards the end. And they definitely didn't. I mean, they definitely did what they had to do to win the game towards the end. But that isn't ultimately what matters, of course. What matters out of these games is seeing what we saw out of guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Kyir Elam, uh, Khalil Shakir, the punt god, Boogie Basham. So as these, you know, as these preseason games go on, and as the season kind of you know, gets closer, the two position groups that I think, well, there's three really that, that ultimately stand out the most to me as far as what is going to wind up happening as far as depth chart is concerned. One is the wide receiver room. Are the Bills going to keep seven? And I wonder, I mean, yes. The, the whole thing to me out of this past weekend is just, I, I can't believe that the Bills could have potentially hit a home run on two late round draft picks in Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir. And I understand it's just one game, but he's been making plays all, all camp. And there hasn't been a bad thing said about him in his game since he was drafted. And you just look at what the Josh Allen has been able to do for wide receivers and their career. I mean, John Brown, best year of his career. Cole Beasley, best year of his career. Stephon Diggs, arguably the best years of his career. Gabe Davis, would Gabe Davis be on the, on the verge of being a household name if Josh Allen wasn't the quarterback? And then you look at Khalil Shakir, and he's out there making plays against the first defense for the Colts with Case Keenum throwing it, and you just can't help but wonder, what is this going to look like in a starting setting with Josh Allen throwing you the ball? I mean, I, I think it's the same thing. You know, you could say the same thing about Isaiah McKenzie. Any time that he has been actively involved in the offense where they have tried to get him the ball, he delivers. And Josh Allen is a big, big part of the ability for these guys to become the success stories that they are. And I look at Khalil Shakir, and I just wonder, how could you possibly keep him off the field? If he continues to perform this way, and this is not just something new right out of the weekend, right? This is nothing new. This has been happening time and time again throughout camp. It, I, I don't know. 
It is so, it is just super, super exciting. And you have to wonder, like, I think about a guy like Jamison Crowder. He's making the roster 100%. Jamison Crowder is going to be on this team, right? He is not getting cut. And we didn't get to see anything out of him on Saturday. But I do wonder, when you look at the wide receiver in the room, and that's why it's so interesting to me, if Isaiah McKenzie is looking as good as he is, right? And Gabe Davis, you know, puts on 17 pounds, looks like a specimen. He's going to be as good as he's supposed to be. You have digs. You see what Khalil Shakir brings to the table. You just wonder, like, yeah, Jamison Crowder, he's going to be on the week one roster. But how do all these guys get worked in? And where, where does it settle after a couple weeks into the season? That's going to be the interesting aspect. Like, as the year goes on, where is the wide receiver depth chart and each person's role going to settle at? Because I look at Khalil Shakir, and I just don't know how you could, you could not say he's the, probably the fourth wide receiver on this roster right now. Fifth at the worst, in, in, in my opinion. And then you move on to the running back spot, and you wonder who they're going to wind up keeping. James Cook, I thought he would have gotten more burn in this game. I really did. I thought James Cook would get a little bit more burn in this preseason game. Hopefully we see a little bit more over the next two weeks, but he only got three handoffs. For I mean, they were essentially all right up the middle too, only five yards on three carries. Would have liked to see more out of him. Devin Singletary not getting a single snap. We already could put two and two together there. He's going to start the year as the starting running back. I wonder how that, right, that running back room is going to wind up settling itself as well. Zach Moss has looked very good in this training camp period here. Yeah, I don't think you get rid of him. Blackshear is going to be a, a practice squad guy. Duke Johnson is going to be a practice squad guy. Even though I thought Duke Johnson throughout training camp has looked pretty well. And he, I thought he did look pretty good in the, uh, in the special teams game. He had the best return of the day. Just wonder looking at that particular portion of the team who winds up getting involved in the rotation. I think the way that they have been using Zach Moss in the off season here, it's telling me he's going to begin. He's going to be getting reps. And then you also got Taiwan Jones who didn't, he didn't take a, a rep either in this game. So, I mean, it's interesting. And then to me, the big one, not just because I think there's a luxury at the wide, there, well, there is a luxury at the wide receiver position. I don't know if I'd call it a luxury at the running back position, but I think right now you got some guys in that, in that spot that are good enough. The cornerback position is the one that's the most interesting just because of its necessity, especially early on in the season. Not only is it necessary to find the solidified guy to be across from Tredavious White, but if he's not out there, who are going to be the guys? And as of right now, Dane Jackson, I'm telling you, he, he has to be locked in. I can't imagine he doesn't play at all on Saturday if, if that wasn't the case. Scotty coming in here with a super chat. Appreciate you, Scotty. Scotty's saying, what do you think about Benford's fumble return? He's got to at least make the roster or at least – Special teams. I mean, I would think so. Benford's one guy coming out of this this game that everybody seems to be talking about, right? I mean, there's a bunch of names that came out of here, right? But if you if you really got down to brass tacks, if you talked about the handful of names that really stood out, Boogie Basham, obviously, Spectre, Bernard, 
the punt god, the two cornerbacks in Elam and, and Benford, and, uh, and then, of course, Khalil Shakir. Now, Isaiah Hodgins, I don't know if he – Isaiah Hodgins stood out late, but I just – I wonder about him and, and where he fits in. I really do wonder where he fits in. Out of all the other wide receivers that are going to be in this rotation, I don't know if he brings as, as much to the table as the rest. His separation is not all that good. He is he's incredibly physical. I'll give him that. And his ability to catch the ball is extraordinary. But he does not have that special teams presence like Kumaro does. And we know that there's value in that when you keep these guys on the 53-man roster. You have got to be able to bring more to the table than just the ability to catch the ball because they already have plenty of guys who can do that. You know, another area, though, in general, just that's really, like, it's really exciting to watch is the, is the linebacker positioning right now. I mean, I think going into this season, we all knew that this is obviously this is a huge year for uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And he's already looked, you know, as good as advertised, I would say, in this camp. We really thought that he could turn it on this year with the additions the Bills have made on the front line. I think that that is going to happen. And then, of course, you have Matt Milano. But there are there's a handful of guys at the linebacker position that are exciting. I thought Andre Smith was all over the field on Saturday. That's a guy that I don't think is getting as much love as Spectre. But I thought when you, when you really took a look at, at uh, another guy that stood out to me, at least, especially in the second half of the game, Andre Smith quick, maybe just because he's wearing number nine at the linebacker position. It makes you wonder if that's why it makes him quicker or makes him look quicker or whatever. But I thought Andre Smith looked really good too. So now you have two, you have two younger guys at the linebacker position, especially Bengal Inspector, because he's 23. Andre Smith's playing in the league a bit. He's 25. But I thought Andre Smith looked good. So you have two guys at linebacker right now that you weren't necessarily banking on that definitely have showed throughout the offseason here that, hey, we're around. But Spectre, more so than Smith, at least, in the um, in training camp, was really starting to make, you know, he was really starting to, uh, to make headlines. Now, if we're talking about Benford, and I know that's what we were talking about earlier when the, uh, the fumble recovery, well, as far as him making the roster, I think you can pretty much lock it in because uh, Cynthia Freeland, let me pull this up, because she was doing the sideline reporting for the game, which is cool, by the way, because, like, Cynthia Freeland is a freaking genius. I, I don't understand. The analytics stuff blows my mind, and she's like as good as it gets as far as that's concerned. But she tweeted this out during the game. Uh, Cynthia Freeland was asked if she thought Christian Benford was going to make the Bills roster by a current NFL GM. And then she went on to say, the tally is now up to three. One GM and two high-ranking execs. And then she had said later on that he does, she doesn't imagine he's going anywhere. So, um, or did I, are we talking about Bernard? Oh my gosh, see, there's some Bernard, Benford, Kair, Khalil. My bad. But even so, just getting down to the, to the talking about, you know, where do these guys fit in on the roster, right? And their role and will they make the team, et cetera, right? You got three, you got, that's how good he looked in one little preseason game you got three high execs reaching out 
asking about, uh, you know, Bills players. So it is interesting. But man, and Johnny Blaze coming in here saying, all these numbers are throwing me off. Yeah, me too. Like for the longest time yesterday, it was so tough for me to, or not yesterday, on Saturday, it was so tough for me to wrap my head around the fact that Andre Smith was playing linebacker. Like, and, I, and it's funny, you know, like uh, Space Odyssey, Odyssey coming here saying these numbers are ridiculous, make this stop. I was kind of for it. I thought, like, yeah, whatever, you know, the NFL is trying to, you know, loosen up its image. They've always been pretty, you know, locked down as far as that's why they called them the no fun league for so long, you know, right. But when you look at the linebacker room right now, 43, 53, 49, 42, 52, 44, 58, 40, 54, nine. So the whole time I'm watching Andre Smith and I'm like, well, that's right. Linebacker, right? You want it. You want to think he's playing. Uh, well, granted nine would be, whoa, that would be a wide receiver number really, or a quarterback, but nine just kind of screams corner to me when you're watching defense and he is pretty quick. So you're kind of just like thrown off, but it is weird. Yeah. And then David coming in here saying Teron Johnson's number seven has been throwing me off all preseason. Yeah, me too. You know, half the time I even forget he's on the roster because I'm looking for him and I can't find him. Yes. Tim Settle. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tim Settle. You know, it's great that we, there are guys. Those have brought in this year that I think as the season goes on, and this isn't, in, this isn't only including the young guys that they have brought in, but it's also the guys that they went out and added. I think we are going to immediately see their impact on this team. Roger Saffold, of course, Von Miller. I think we've already seen it. I, tr- I genuinely believe that. I mean, I think that what Von Miller has already brought to the energy of this defense is being felt. Tim Settle had himself a day. And he has been standing out uh, throughout the last, you know, throughout training camp, at least. Tim Settle, I look at the, that's just, an, it's just another thing about this defense, man. It's just like, you look at last season and you see that they were ranked number one. And a lot of the time, at least for me, it was like, ah, well, it, a lot of time it didn't feel like they were the number one defense. But this year, this is why I said earlier on, I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down on the Bills finishing number one in, on, on, uh, in overall defense again this year. Because Tim said, I mean, we're an hour into the show. I'm just bringing them up. There's so many other guys on this defense on Saturday throughout training camp already who have established themselves, of course, that have just been studs. This defense, I'm telling you, man, Everybody wants to focus on the Bills offense, and rightfully so. You got Josh Allen. I mean, that'd be like, yeah, it'd be like focusing on how well uh, whoever, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to even think of an example. Like, you got a guy like Josh Allen, you're immediately going to focus on whatever the hell he's doing. This defense, if you're thinking about, if you're just thinking about strictly ranking each side of the ball here you could have a field day arguing which one's better i think and right now just looking at the depth of the defense and the cool thing is is the defensive line is an area that i think the majority of us were awfully concerned about for a while 
because this team has been so good, but there have been aspects about the defensive line that have not been able to help elevate the Bills over the top. When you look at the D line right now, I mean, good luck. You're going to have different guys. That's what I was saying earlier, where it's like you just kind of close your eyes and put your hand in a, in, a, in a hat and pull a name out, and you can expect that guy to be good for a play during the game. That's the cool thing. I don't think you're going to have to rely on one specific guy, especially even Von Miller. I think already Von Miller, what he has been able to do without even taking a snap, has been able to bring a presence into that defense. But you close your eyes, you know, you pull a name out of the hat, it could be Boogie Basham making the play, Greg Rousseau making the play, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle. It, I mean, it's just it's it's wild. And then we're and we're talking about we're talking about a sixth rounder at cornerback looking terrific. We're talking about our first round pick looking like he's gonna be ready to really be able to take that spot over for the first few weeks. We're not even talking about Tredavious White. We're not even talking about Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, the best safety duo in the league. And there's never been a better time to have a defense like this. We all know this. I mean, you look around the AFC, the Bills offense compares to anybody. They're probably the best of the bunch. But do any of those teams have a defense that lines up with this as well? That's the thing. What's everybody got going on in here? We are 249 proud up in this thing tonight. You know, the, 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 thing, about, the thing about the preseason for me, one, it is insane to keep all the names, uh, keep track of all the names, by the way. Crazy. You got so many guys out there, especially I think now, I think back in the day for me watching the preseason, by the time you got to like the second or the third strings or so, you were kind of like, oh, whatever. The crazy thing about this team now is like, you kind of got to pay attention to every single snap because there could be a guy that all of a sudden makes your head spin on a team that already probably has the best roster in the league. That's what's, that's what's nuts. But if I had to take away one thing, I think, from the whole day as far as you know, Saturday was concerned, it would have to be the opening series for both sides, which I think, is, I think would be the best that would be the best answer you would have wanted coming out of Saturday because that would be the position in which both sides were facing the toughest task. And I thought we saw Kyrie Elam's best play of the day during that sequence. We saw Zach Moss's best plays of the day, really his only plays of the day during that sequence. Khalil Shakir, we saw his best performance of the day during that sequence. That, to me, was my big takeaway. I loved that the Bills against the starting Colts defense were able to get down to the red zone in six plays, utilizing nobody but a rookie wide receiver and Zach Moss. Everybody in here is counting down to the Super Bowl. Relax. We got to pump it. Leave it to us, man. Leave it to the mafia. We watch one preseason game. Not that we had to this year, though. That's the thing. Right. That that's the thing. The only thing that the only thing that's the, like the, the crazy thing now is like the only thing that these preseasons do is they just we already have this massive raging wildfire right now. Right. The only thing a game like Saturday does is just throw another shot of kerosene on the fire. We, we already had all these pent up emotions, you know, going into it. And you, you finally get that taste, like I was talking about, to kick the show off. Well, it's all we wanted, right? 
And the cool thing is there were so many guys that satisfied that hunger. And the crazy thing is the majority of those guys aren't necessarily going to be guys that are even going to become close to being relied on this year. Right. That's the thing. Like you, you just get all excited about what you saw Saturday and like the majority of these guys. Yeah. They could definitely have an impact on the team, but the majority of them aren't going to be relied upon at any point this season. At least you think. Like Mr. Diggs says, baby, it's gunpowder and gasoline. Saturday was just a little bit more gasoline. It was a little bit more gunpowder. What else is going on in here in the chat? Love how active you guys have been, by the way. And I know that I know for a fact that just means the the you guys are as pumped up as I am. And everybody in here really seems to be having the same thoughts, right? Everybody's kind of finding as they watch Saturday the, the same guys. General consensus, right? Everybody really seemed to be impressed. Like with Spectre, of course, Bernard, obviously. Um, Punt God. Like that, that there were, you really didn't have to go digging Saturday that much to find the things that you were satisfied with, right? I'll give a little love to Blackshare, Ismail. I will, because I thought that in a, in a role where, you know, I mean, he, he knows... You know, Blackshear is going to be a, a practice squad guy for the Bills, right? Scored two touchdowns, had a couple of great late game receptions. And that's one thing I did notice this offense do on Saturday that stood out to me a bit. Not that they, I don't know if it was necessarily intended to be that way, but there were several plays that did go to the running backs out of the air that I thought looked good. And everybody essentially who was playing the running back position on Saturday did get one of those opportunities to catch the ball. If you just go down to the receiving uh, stats, I mean, hell, Blackshear had 60 yards through the air. Towards the end there, he had two catches that were like back-to-back first downs, which was awesome. James Cook had a grab. Zach Moss had a grab. Um, That's something I really do want to see a lot of this year. In addition to the utilization of Isaiah McKenzie in the short game, I do want to see the ball be worked to the running backs a bit more because I just would rather see that than the age-old hand the ball off up the middle. But, you know, I think it's going to be different with Dorsey in general. But I do want to see more designated passes to the running backs. Now, even though it was, I'll give love to Blackshear and the fact that even though it was a guy that is probably not going to find his way onto the field anytime soon, um, he cracked off 60 yards through the air. I mean, if we can get the running backs in totality to sum up 60 yards through the air each week, I mean, think about it. That's what I'm looking for. And that's not even including a guy like James Cook who was drafted to essentially fill that spot, right? So if we're looking out uh, throughout the rest of the league as well, because this week was just jam-packed with, with stuff, it looks – I thought I was going to have to come on here tonight and talk about Zach Wilson. Oh, boy. Um, listen, I mean, I, you know I, I can't stand the Jets as, as much as anybody, you know, but you never want to see somebody like that get injured to the point of potentially tearing an ACL or getting an injury where they – have to miss the year and it really did seem like Zach Wilson was going to have to miss the year I mean everybody on Twitter apparently that's the thing I mean I guess everybody on Twitter now has a PhD 
um, you know, you go on Twitter and just like your entire timeline is just filled with doctors who are hammered on cheap vodka watching Jets preseason game telling you that Zach Wilson will never play a snap again, but he's going to be fine. Um, real scary moment there for the Jets. I mean, you imagine Zach Wilson goes down the Jets lucky they win a game this year. Zach Wilson definitely needs to be on that. You know, he needs to be on the field for the Jets to try and get back to some sort of competency, especially because this is his second year. I mean, they, they, they've had a great draft. They're trying to build around him. That would have been brutal for the Jets if they would have lost Zach Wilson. The The Chiefs played Patrick Mahomes a bit. I was shocked to see that. Uh, he got nailed on like the third or fourth snap of that game. I was like, what do you, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it ultimately is up to the coach. I'm in agreement with Sean McDermott not playing Josh Allen. It's just not necessary. I don't know what you'd have to see out of Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why you'd put him in a game. He got rocked. Uh, so that stood out to me. And then, excuse me, uh, Deshaun Watson. That was interesting. Uh, I mean, that guy, I, that, I, I just want to know what's going on in that guy's head. I mean, he has got to be in a bad place. And the fact, I mean, I told you a few weeks ago, I was posed the question, would you play Deshaun Watson in the preseason if you had the opportunity? I said, damn, yeah, damn right I would. The guy hasn't played a snap of football in a year and a half. And I just gave him 300 plus million dollars. I, I got to get him out on the field, I guess. But the fact that they haven't found a ruling yet in regard to his suspension was crazy to me. I thought the NFL would have gotten on that ASAP to prevent him from getting on the field Friday. He played and it was terrible. What was he? One for seven. So not only do you have all this stuff going on surrounding you right now and your status as far as whether you're going to be suspended six games or a season and newsflash, it's more than likely going to be a season. You go out in this preseason game that nobody thought you'd play in and everybody's shocked that you are playing in and you look awful. Crazy. Football's back. You know, it's back too when the entire, like you listen to sports radio or you listen to, you know, anything you turn on the TV, it's all football now. It's all it takes, right? And then you got all these hot takes coming out all of a sudden. I saw the other day, I tweeted this out. I just, I can't believe this. Uh, you know, Trey Lance looks pretty good in a, in a preseason game and his MVP odds like quadrupled. He went from like, uh, basically, you might as well bet on me to win the MVP to now he has like pretty decent, a pretty decent odd to win the MVP in Vegas. And I'm like, what are we doing here? But that's what, that's what happens. You've been so football deprived for so long. Trey Lance goes out and looks good. His MVP odds go up. You got the Tennessee Titans. They already had questions as to whether Ryan Tannehill would continue to be the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Malik Willis goes out. He looks pretty good for the Tennessee Titans. I have to imagine that they're trying to uh, see what he's got as I think that they will intend on him being the future at some point once they move off of Ryan Tannehill um that just means football's back baby Jordan Love out there how's he gonna do and how's he gonna do when uh, Aaron Rodgers moves on I just love for the Bills you tune into the Bills uh preseason game we're talking about the the stuff that I guess you you would you would think about from a 
from a future perspective. Like, oh, is Khalil Shakir going to be uh, a, a good enough wide receiver of us to be able to fill shoes when uh, when Diggs gets up there in age or, or whatever else? Or you're talking about, oh, is, is uh, this linebacker depth who's super young and looks super talented going to be able to fill in when Matt Milano winds up moving on? You know, you're not talking about, oh, my God, I can't wait for uh, Ryan Tannehill to hang the cleats up so we can get Malik Willis in there. Oh, my God, I can't wait to see what – I can't wait to see if uh, the Ravens don't re-sign Lamar Jackson with what Huntley has. Just another dash of kerosene on the fire, I suppose, for us Bills fans, right? You just look around on all these storylines. Oh, and then you have the, then you have the, uh, I don't know if you saw the bit from Bill Belichick, by the way. What in the hell is going on in New England? He will not announce, he will not announce who is going to be calling these plays. And I understand everybody's kind of like, oh, it's Bill Belichick. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's the GOAT. Well, yeah, like I get it. It's really tough to criticize Bill Belichick. But what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on there? He had he had two different. He had Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator, and Joe Judge, who ran himself out of the Giants organization, swapping play calling duties in the preseason game over the weekend. And on top of that, you're also hearing nonstop reports out of camp that the that the Patriots offense looks as bad as it, it could possibly look, and Mac Jones just looks terrible. I would just love to know what in the hell is going on in New England. I am loving it. You got to wonder if he's got, he, is he going to, when is he going to retire? When is big bad bill going to retire? Cause you, you see these reporters ask him simple questions like, Hey bill, you know, it's pretty insane in regard to the history of the NFL that up until this point, you have no idea who's going to be the man calling your plays for the season. And he's just like, yep. Uh, doesn't have anything to do with it. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I think some reporter was like, yeah, this is pretty unprecedented. And he's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, he just seems miserable. I mean, I, he always has, right? Bill Belichick has always seemed miserable, even when they were winning Super Bowls year after year after year. But this just, the weird thing is with Bill Belichick, it's amazing what winning does for you, Right. You can be the biggest miserable, like, stick in the mud to ever exist. But if you're doing well, like, if you're succeeding, everybody just kind of laughs it off. But now, all of a sudden, within two years, Bill Belichick hasn't really changed all that much, but it just looks so bad. Like, Bill Belichick's aura on a bad team is just brutal. Like, imagine Sean McDermott taking the stand and he just looks like he hasn't slept in three weeks and reporters are asking him, like, pretty fair questions. And he's just like, mm-hmm. Like, imagine right now at this point in the season, you have no idea who's going to be calling Josh Allen's plays. Not a clue. Not a clue. Is this true, Space Odyssey? I'm just seeing this. Or space. I keep saying Odyssey is oddity. Kind of like Odyssey. Maybe we should switch that up. Von Miller, 90. I saw that 93 on the NFL top 100. Mac Jones was 85. Dude, good God. This is what the players vote on. Take a look here. 
Oh, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Dude, there is just no way. There's just no way in hell. How is that? <laughs> what? Oh, dude. I don't even... <laughs> I just Googled Mac Jones top 100 and one of the, one of the top results that came up on Google is a YouTube video and it's by a channel called all things Patriots. And the name of the video is Mac Jones top 100 QB dash bills fans worst nightmare. Oh my God. Well, you know what? This is why I have no problem. This is why I just have absolutely no issue whatsoever in saying that they are going to be brutal this year. And I cannot wait to watch every second of it. I mean, I'm just going to bask in it. There is no possible way they succeed this year. And I've said that a million times. You know that. But the fact, I mean, I don't even understand how you could possibly, how could you possibly? As, a, as an NFL player, vote Mac Jones as the 85th best player in the league. Wow. You guys want to see some of this video? All right, we'll queue it up. We'll queue it up. You know what? Because I'm interested too. I'm in, Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let me find it again. I can't wait to see this. All right, hold on. Let me queue it up. This ought to be good. Huh? This ought to just be something else. I can only imagine what this is about to be. It's only three minutes long, too. So, yeah, I hope it's uh, at least entertaining. Here it is. Well. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. All right. So before we even get into it. Mac Jones, top 100, number 85, dash. Bills fans, worst nightmare. Mind you, this is the same quarterback that, um, that had one of the worst playoff losses maybe ever. Um, like, what, seven months ago? Let's just watch it. You guys hear that? Holy... I... I, I there is... I, I have a studio in the village here. I don't know what it is where I'm at here. Once, twice, sometimes four or five times a day, there is somebody on this street. You would think you live in the middle of the, the Daytona 500. It's absurd. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Someone just absolutely ripping it. It is the most annoying freaking thing ever. I hate it. Speaking of annoying things, Patriots content. Let's check it out. Mac Jones was ranked number 85 in the top 100 last night. The meltdown from Bills fans and Dolphins fans, particularly, was epic. Yeah. 
I mean, they can't believe this stuff, right? You might be wondering why Bills fans in particular are so upset about the fact that Mac Jones is getting recognition and why they must convince themselves that he is terrible and absolutely will never be good no matter what. And it's so that they can sleep at night because for 20 plus years, we dominated them. And the only way any Bills fans made it through those 20 years was by telling themselves that as soon as Tom Brady retired, we would be a bottom tier team and never be a winning team again. And here we are already in the playoffs two years after Tom Brady leaves the team. So now they're stuck. The self-soothing and reassurance that they gave themselves for 20 plus years has come to be false. And now they're insecure. They're scared. They're worried that the Patriots might just be back. And tweets like this are my proof. If you don't believe me, this Bills fan tweeted out, Patriots fans thinking Mac Jones is better than Josh Allen. And it's a video of two ladies laughing down there, I think from I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy. It's not I Love Lucy. Patriots side of things, stop that up. What is it, Golden Girls? It's you, Bills fans, who thought things like that up. Okay? You're making that up. Nobody said that. Nobody thought that except for you. And the reason you thought that is because that's what you're worried about. You're no, worried. No, no, time out. The reason they thought that is because it's Twitter. And I and I, I got to tell you, there's probably people who do think that. By the way, let's see what else we got here. There's only like 30 seconds left. About Mac Jones one day being better than Josh Allen. It's something you think about. It's something you thought about, and it's your worst fear. And you're exposing yourself. And it might one day be true. Am I going to say it's absolutely going to be true? No. Is it true right now? Absolutely not. It's not. It's absolutely not true right now. But I will tell you this much. Mac Jones in his rookie year was far superior to Josh Allen in his rookie year. So based on that trajectory, to rule out the fact that Mac Jones could possibly be one day as good or better than Josh Allen is just you, Bills fans, self-soothing like you did for 20 years. I mean, I, that was great. Look, I appreciate, I appreciate create a website. Oh, shut, up. Your brand. shut up. Look, I appreciate, you know, I, I like, you know, any sports fan. I, I like to do whatever I can to, to hype up my team as much as I can. There's a few things there. One, there isn't a single soul who is a, uh, a current Bills fan that um, has any self-respect that thinks that the Patriot, that Mac Jones, they're, that they're scared, that he's, they're scared of Mac Jones. No. Is is anybody on earth scared of Mac Jones? I don't. I don't. The fact that he's top eighty-five, it doesn't scare Bills Mafia, and the reason people tweet that. It's because it's absurd. The other thing, too, and I see this, and it's not just this, this guy. It's not just Patriots fans. Everybody always throws out Josh Allen's rookie year stat line. And then they say, oh, look at this. So-and-so did so much better than Josh Allen his rookie year. Or, oh, so-and-so had similar numbers to Josh Allen's rookie year. He could make the leap. Do we not understand that, like, Josh Allen... And this is not just coming from a Bills fan. This is just in general. This is coming from somebody in multiple, right? I mean, how many Bills fans in general did not even watch Josh Allen, right? 
And then the rookie year happened, and you you might have thought like, yeah, there's a lot of potential there, but like, you know, we we are also Bills fans, so we know how this thing goes. He made it a leap that was so unprecedented, we never had seen it before, and the odds of seeing it again are very unlikely because we only saw it once in a hundred years. But ever since that happened, now every team with a mediocre to bad quarterback with a mediocre stat line in their rookie year or their second year or whatever, they think that, oh, well, since his numbers were similar to a rookie Josh Allen, whose best receiver was Zay Jones, whose main target was uh, Calvin Benjamin, that they too can get an a, a MVP caliber leap in a year. I mean, that is wild. But he's not the only one. But uh, I mean, I, what I'll put that—that was—that was amazing. I got to give him credit. I got to give him credit on the music, the tweets. So those tweets were funny. Yes. The here's here's the problem with that video. Yes, the Bills. Hold on, let me gather my thoughts here. Yes, Bills fans were absolutely own dominated. Any word you want to put in there by the New England Patriots and Tom Brady for 20 years. I am the first to admit it. Because I lived it. It was pure hell. We all lived it. It was hell, torture, miserable. Was there anything worse than being a fan of an AFC East team during Tom Brady's hellish reign for two decades? Nothing. Nothing comparable. There'll never be anything like it again. They, what his point was there, or at least the point he was trying to make, was that we were so ruined by that 20 years that we're terrified it's going to happen again. But in reality, they were so reliant on those 20 years that they're terrified they're never going to see it again. And so that they, they have to convince themselves that a guy like Mac Jones could potentially become a Josh Allen. Even from a physical standpoint, it is impossible for Mac Jones to become Josh Allen. The physical traits, the God-given traits are so polar opposite. It is, it is quite literally impossible. Mac Jones is never leaping over a linebacker. Mac Jones is never... He, he's never... Oh my God. He's never hit-sticking a 250-pound defensive player for a first down. He's never... He, I don't know. That, to me, is what people don't get. Like, stats are different. Like, and that, that, that's, that goes the same for all these quarterbacks, all these greats. There's only one Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers can't do that and couldn't do that. Peyton Manning could never do that. Tom Brady could never do that, ever. Yes, of course, they are the goats, the elite, the best of the best. But everybody wants to say that they could become Josh Allen. You can't. You can't. He does things that no one else has ever done, ever. Yes, there are other quarterbacks who could come out of college and, and be similar. I think that's where the position is heading. I mean, look at it now. Justin Herbert's similar to that. Mahomes is like that. Allen's like that, of course. I think Burrow's got parts of it, but he's not nearly as athletic. 
but that's where the positions had an heading. Mac Jones is so much more like if, if you wanted to assume what the absolute best possible outcome for Mac Jones could be, it would be like Peyton Manning, right? He's never going to be able to move. He's never going to be mobile. He's never going to be athletic. He would have to become one of the best pocket presence in the last 20 years. If he wanted to be on a similar level, as far as ranking quarterbacks is concerned to Josh Allen, because not only is Josh Allen terrific in the pocket, he's also probably the best rushing quarterback in the league outside of Lamar Jackson, whose entire game is built on that. Also, I think Josh Allen has triple the amount of rushing touchdowns as the next guy over the last handful of seasons, not named Lamar Jackson. Mac Jones will only be able to win you a game in the pocket. There's an infinite amount of things that Josh Allen can do. This is why I don't ever understand these things. It blows my mind. Mac Jones would have to be like an all-time great pocket passer. In all time, he would have to be essentially Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, if he would want to ascend to the top of the league, the way the league is now being built. I mean, let's take let's take away what Deshaun Watson's situation is, right? And let's just go back to what he was when he was on the field. Unbelievably athletic, unbelievable athleticism, and it can throw an incredible ball. You look at what's winning now. Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Trey Lance, who they went out, the 49ers trade everything in their mother away to get after because Jimmy Garoppolo, who was a pretty damn good pocket presence. That is that right there is probably your best example. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Mac Jones. But the 49ers traded away the franchise to get a guy like Trey Lance. Why? Because Kyle Shanahan thinks Trey Lance can be a Josh Allen. He knows damn well Jimmy Garoppolo can't. That's also why he took Trey Lance and not Mac Jones in the same draft. Man. I got to give him credit, though. I mean... The, the ability to believe that and convince yourself of that is, is, is truly remarkable. And, and the thing is, like, and, and this is why I don't understand, even when the Bills were as bad as they were, I never looked at, I never looked at Ryan Fitzpatrick and said, you know what? I, I got to tell you, man, he gets his stats up next year. I mean, we could be thinking, he, I think he could be better than Brady. I just, I, I don't, I don't, where, is, where does this come from? You know what's funny? The precedent Josh Allen set, the, the, the flame that Josh Allen lit is the same flame that he is being burnt by when it comes to him being compared to everybody else in the league. He lit the flame that is now the unicorn quarterback. The best example is the one I just brought up. It's what the Niners did. The Niners, did we, they just went to the NFC Championship Six months ago, with Jimmy Garoppolo, they beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet they are going to cut him before week one if they can't find a trading partner because they want a guy who is like Josh Allen. Even though they just went to an NFC championship and they went to a Super Bowl with him two years prior to that. 
they know that that's not going to be the future of this league. So they trade away the entire future to get a guy that is going to be that new NFL. And Trey Lance has all the physical attributes to potentially be a guy like Josh Allen. As crazy as it would be to say right now, if a 49ers fan said, you know, if it, say, say Trey Lance goes out this year and has a very similar year to what Josh Allen did his rookie year, if not a little bit better, right? I don't think it would be that nuts for a 49ers fan to say, I think that Trey Lance could be better than Josh Allen. Because at least he has the tools to be able to be a similar style player. The ceiling for Mac Jones is what it is. The guy can only do so much. He will never, ever, ever be able to be anything remotely close to what Josh Allen is on the field. And the only way he could possibly be better is if he takes what is currently right now a New England roster that is just bad. It is bad. It is one of the most high... Highly overpaid offenses in the league. They have the highest paid wide receiver room and the highest paid tight end room. You could barely name me who the hell is going to catch the ball this season. So he would have to take that situation. And in order to be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league and make up for his blatant lack of athleticism would have to be throwing balls out of the pocket. Unlike we've ever seen. I mean, we would have to see dimes, from the likes of, like I said, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. That's what we would have to see out of Mac Jones. So I'm all for like thinking whatever you want to think and being a diehard fan. I just, not, I will, I cannot possibly wrap my head around the fact that people try to, to reach. They, they, they say Josh Allen isn't all that good, yet they use his rookie numbers as the litmus test. Well, if he's not that good, then why do you want him to become him if, if, or better than him? That's what I don't get. And, I, and I'll get, I mean, that guy said that Mac Jones isn't better than him, and he, but he didn't, he said, uh, I can't rule out that he won't be. Well, I mean, I can. I think, I think anybody could. But I gotta, I gotta tip my cap. I gotta give credit to uh, the ability to, what it all comes down to to me what it all comes down to, I've already talked about this way too much but that was funny that was a funny video what it all comes down to to me is the argument that that guy was trying to make and I think a lot of Patriots fans are like this the argument that that guy was trying to make it's actually the polar opposite he is saying that we were so traumatized by the Patriots for 20 years that that trauma has bled into us fearing that the Patriots will continue to be that good for the foreseeable future under Mac Jones. I would counter with saying, yes, that trauma for 20 years was brutal. It also allowed me to understand what a good team looks like and what a not so good team looks like. And I think for Patriots fans, the trauma that they're about to endure of not having Tom Brady and what will go down as the most historic team in the history of sports, as far as winning is concerned, the fact that they will no longer have that, that's the true trauma here. That's, if anybody's scared here, it's Pats fans. And who could blame them? Imagine enjoying that for 20 years. And then, and then it's just over. And you have to, you have to 
trying to convince yourself that Mac Jones being somehow listed as the 85th best player in the NFL, you have to somehow use that as fuel to thinking that the Patriots will still continue their reign of excellence. Like I, uh, like I've said a bunch in the past here, it's, it's weird to be on the other side of these things. It really is. I mean, it, it, it is nuts. I mean, I, I knew I know we were delusional as hell and we were fans of a really, really elongated stretch of bad football from the Bills, but I don't know, man. Maybe it's maybe it's 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 gotta be the social media. That's what it is. I would just like to think that when we were being quarterbacked by JP Lossman, EJ Manuel, Trent Edwards, Kyle Orton, Thad Lewis. I mean, God, I mean, I don't even know. I could sit here for two more days and let's stop names. I, I'd like to think that we wouldn't have gotten on Twitter and said, you know what? A few more, a few more good, good games out of uh, uh, Jeff tool. And the bills will definitely be the, uh, the force that we've been waiting them to, for them to be in the AFC. It is weird to be on the other side of things. Crazy stuff. Hey, good luck to the Patriots. I look forward to this season. And that video was hilarious. So, because if not for nothing, those tweets were fun. I think one one of them. I think one of those tweets. It, it was going fast, but one of those tweets said, uh, "Mac Jones is the 85th best player in the NFL. Period. Abolish the NFL top 100." <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Hour 40 in the books. So glad you guys decided to spend Monday night with me. We had our first preseason game come and go. Two more left, and then it is regular season football time, baby. I couldn't be more stoked. Bills take on the Broncos this weekend for some uh, more preseason action. So I will be back with you next Monday night to recap that. Hopefully we see some more great stuff out of these young guys that we talked about tonight. Khalil Shakir, Kair Elam, Boogie Basham. Banford. Uh, I mean, my God, Spectre. So many guys. The punt god. So many good things to focus on from Saturday night. And hopefully more to come this weekend to talk about next week. But until then, we got you covered here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We got Rico coming your way tomorrow night. We got Rev Wednesday night. And as always, we got constant Bill's content coming your way throughout the week. And who knows, whenever you tune in, maybe you can find yourself watching a hilarious Patriots video like you did with me tonight. You never know where we're going to go with it. But I do know that I will be back here with you Monday night of next week to break down Bills Broncos. Good stuff out of the Bills Saturday. Look forward to seeing more of it this coming weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in with me tonight. Better Call Saul finale is on right now. And I'm going to go watch that, baby. I'm sad to leave it behind. Sad to leave you guys behind, too. I'll be back next week. See you then, everybody. Thanks again so much. And as always, go Bills. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. 
It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.